So, Daf Mem Zayin. We got uh, ten lines from the top. So we're talking over here. The Gemara had brought this halacha of someone sells themselves to the Ovid Kichavim, and the Gemara brought a story of someone who sells themselves to the Ludoi. Rashi said on the bottom Ludoi. Rashi's pshat was an Uma Shaichlan Bnei Adam, some sort of cannibal people. I did see another pshat uh, this morning, last night actually, um, that Ludoi is actually a Latin word. It means games, and it's referring to gladiators. So people who sold themselves, which makes a lot more sense in the Peshat and the Gemara, yeah. people who sold themselves to be gladiators, even though you're also going to be killed, but at least there was you know, some kind of possibility of surviving it, and they did it for money, etc. And that makes sense in the story over here. The Gemara continues with Shlokish, Zavin Nafshe Ludah. He sold himself to these Ludah. Now Rash Tesis points out that whenever Shlokish was a Chazer B'Tshuva, like a Rekiva. So in the beginning of his life, he was not... Not, not so from, and then later on he became obviously on par with Rabbi Yechanan. So Mestam Taisu says this story happened before he was a Shemitah Mitzvah, before he was a Ben Tair, otherwise it sort of makes very little sense. So he sold himself to the Dudai. Now, why did he do that? So it sounds like, Pashup Shat, he was doing it to make money. But we'll see in the Gemara, he had, he had another ulterior motives over here. Shako Badei Chaisa of the Galgalosis. He took with him, I guess you'll have to take you know, two personal items. So his two personal items were an empty bag and a rock. Okay, he had a rock inside the bag. Omar, he said like this, I have a plan. He had to get rid of these guys. Apparently this was a, an issue that these people were terrorizing the, the local community. So I have to be able to defeat them from inside. So he said, Omar Gamiri, we have a Kabbalah. The Yuma Basra, the last day of when you're by whoever, again, whatever these people are, if they're gladiators or whatever they are, the last day when you're going to go be killed. So then, call Dubai Minayu Avdileh. So they give you like a last, a last request. Right, the last supper over there, they give you the last request. So apparently they held on a religious level, these Goyim, that if they give the person a final request, then it somehow achieves a kapara for the person and for them killing him or causing him to be killed. So that was their minute. So he had a plan like this. So Yuma Basra, So they asked him, nope, before you go into uh, to be killed, what would you like us to do? So Amalu, and it had to be something, I guess, reasonable, right? So Amalu, he said to them, I want you all to be tied up, and you're all going to sit down, like a circle or whatever. Each one of you, each one of you, I'm going to hit with my bag. He had an empty bag with his, some sort of bag, uh, whatever it was made out of, some fabric. And I'm going to hit each one of you one and a half times. What does it mean to hit someone a half time? Sounds like I have less of a hit, whatever. I'm going to hit you each one, of, each one of you one and a half times. So it sounds like a ridiculous request. So they said, okay, fine. This is, this is what this guy wants. Well, we'll do it. Whatever. What does it hurt? So Kamdinu tied them up. When he hit them, he put the rock that he had brought inside the bag. So they thought he's hitting them with an empty bag, but he's hitting them with a rock inside a bag. So it hurt. So Kadchaisa, Nafik Dishwasa. It's two ways to read the Gemara. Some of us have seen the Gemara. When he hit them with this rock, it killed them. And then the next one says, Charkine Lashine. One of them he hit, and he just, the guy smiled at him like it didn't hurt him at all of some sort. Other Farshim said that it's every single person he hit, he killed them, and when he, when he killed them, like they sort of smiled as they were dying. I'm not exactly, Rashi doesn't say which, which way you read it over here. But either way, so this, one of them, or all of them, would seem to be smiling after they got hit in the head with this thing. So I'm going what are you laughing at me? Uh, he said, I said, I'm hitting you one and a half times, not just one. So even if you survive the first hit, I still get another half afterwards. And then, and by, with the other half, he was able to hit them harder, his suckers were very strong, and he killed them. So Yitaka wiped out this whole band of marauders, whatever they were. Oh. So Nafik of Asa, he, he left them, he escaped. Yosef Ka'ach of he was sitting and drinking. 
And apparently, this was his minig, as the professor explained, every day, whatever he made in business that day, whatever money he made, he bought food and he ate it all. Left over nothing for the next day. So his daughter said to him, Don't you want to save maybe some money so you like, can buy a chair to sit on? He's like lying on the floor. So I'm like, no, BT crazy, curry, curry. She said, I, I lie on my stomach. He apparently was a hefty fellow. And I lie on my stomach and I'm comfortable like that. I don't need to leave anything over. Kinoch Nafshe, at the end of his life, when he was ready, and he's part of the Paratamilicham, and when he died, Shavik Kava de Marika. When he left over, all he left over was a Kava de Marika. It's two Pshat and Pashab Pshat, it sounds like. All, he left over just a little bit. He had t- spent all his money. No reason to take it all. So he left over a cow Marika. Actually, if you learn Marika is this uh, karakum, this saffron, which is extremely expensive, at least nowadays. So a cow Marika could actually be a lot of money. So it depends which way you want to look at it. But either way, Karanafshi said about himself, the Pasuk, it says until him, that what's the point over here of leaving for everybody else my money? So the, he, his minute was, whatever I, I earn whatever I need, I eat it, and that's it. Move on, you know. Uh, he didn't leave for the kids and the grandkids. And, you know, he wasn't you know, he wasn't Hungarian like that. So he didn't, he didn't leave it over for them. He, uh, he spent it all right away. And that, that was Rishlakish's minute. But this is just brought here, Derek Hagav, that Ludoi story that we had brought before. Okay, moving on to the Mishnah. Again, more halachas that are, are what we call tikkun ha'ayim. Says the Mishnah. So we definitely Chazal want to discourage people from selling fields, even fields, even houses. We talked about in Eretz Yisrael. We want to make sure that the land in Eretz Yisrael is lived in by Yidin and worked by Yidin, and therefore we want to discourage selling fields in Eretz Yisrael to goyim. So if you do sell it, so the Mishnah says an interesting halacha. You have a halacha that, and Rashi will explain more about this in a base, you have an active halacha that a field you own, you must bring Bikurim from such a field. You must bring Bikurim from such a field. Trumas and Mises, Rashi says in a base, not that way. Trumas and Mises, there's no halacha that says you have to take off Trumas and Mises. The halacha is if you want to eat the crops, you have to take off Trumas and Mises. First Forever. Forever. Hold on. So by Chumas and Maishas, the halacha is, you, if you don't eat the crops, you don't have to take Chumas and There's no halacha that you have to go running around taking off Chumas and and things that have nothing to do with you. Chumas and Maishas, Rashi explains, is like a din like Shechita. If you want to eat an animal, you shecht it. If you don't want to eat the animal, you don't shecht it. Chumas and is the same thing. But Bikurim is different. Bikurim, you have an active halacha that you're supposed to take the first fruits of, of the year take, and go up to Yushalayim, etc. Oh, so therefore, Chazal here made a takana. When you sell your field to a guy, you must go ahead and actively get buy from the guy the bikurim of the year, or better yet, as Rashi says, we actually want you to buy back the whole field. Right? If the guy doesn't want to be buy, driven crazy by you every year to buy the bikurim and you know label each fruit which is the bikurim, we could drive him crazy. So obviously, we're trying to encourage you to buy back the field in general. But at the minimum, Chazal said that Takani is, you still must actively go ahead and take the Bikurim from the field. Obviously, you can't steal it. You have to buy it from the guy. But they take it on. This is taken on them so that we, di- again, encourage people to buy back fields from Goyim and not sell it to them in the first place. Now, it sounds like, from this Mishra, Pashup Shat, this is the Dindar Abanan. The Dindar Abanan, that even though the field now is owned by the guy, you have a halacha that you must go and get the Bikurim. So this brings us into a classic discussion which we have in another place in Shas. This is one of the Iker Sugis. Is what taka happens when you sell a field to a guy in Eretz Yisrael? Does that Kenyan work? Is that field chayv and shumas and if a guy owns a field in Eretz Yisrael? So it says the Gemara, Amar Rabba, 
Rabbi says there is no such thing as a Kenyan for a guy to be kind of a field in Eretz Yisrael to take off the din of Shumas Ramesis. Shumas Ramesis is a din in Kedusha Eretz Yisrael, whether it's owned by a Yid or whether he sells it to a guy, a guy cannot take off the Kedusha, and even the crops that you buy from a guy are going to be chayv in Shumas Ramesis. Hold on, we'll see details in a second. The Pasuk says, says the Pasuk, I said that you cannot sell a field forever. Field goes back in Yovel, etc. And the Pasik says, Kili Haaretz, says the land is mine. You can live in the land, I let you live it, but the land is mine, and therefore you have to give it back in Yovel, etc. But we dashing Kili Haaretz means Kedusha Saaretz. The Kedusha is Lanetzach, at least by Baisheni for sure, and therefore the Kedusha stays forever, and therefore even if you sell it to a guy, it's still chayv in all the dinim of, of Kedusha Sa'aretz, and it will still have all the mitzvahs that Tulius Pekarka are still chayv. Aval, you see, even though you can't, Aval Yeshkin, but if a guy does buy the field, and he wants to work the field, or more importantly, destroy the field, that he's allowed to do. Right? There's no halacha that says a guy can't own the field. When I, based on these halachas in the Torah, Torah doesn't say you're not allowed to sell the field to a guy. Torah just says if you sell the field to a guy, it still has Kedusha Saaretz, and it's Chayv and Trumas and Maises and Bikuru. Okay? But if you sell it to a guy and the guy wants to dig holes in the ground and ruin the ground, he's allowed to. Shanamar, Shemaim, Shemaim, Lashem, Vaaretz, Nasanav, Nayadam. All land is owned by people. Koshpoku said you have a right to do with it what you want. Kedusha it still has. But in terms of the guy owning it, if he owns it and he wants to. Whatever, destroy the land. That's his own problem. No problem. That is Rabbis. No, the opposite. When a guy buys the land, it has no longer any Din Kedusha. The Kedusha goes off. Shenemar, the Pasik says, when it talks about Shumas and Mises, Rashis Digonicha Tiroshka the first of your dug and your Tirosh and Yitzer, your 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 crops of your wheat and barley and of your wine and of your oil. Veracious, I guess. You're supposed to give that to the coin. And we darshan digoncha. Why does it say yours? If it's grown in a field that's owned by a goy, says Rabbi Lazar, there is no din trumas or nicer. There is no such din. However, even though a guy, if he owns the land, the Kedusha goes off, but a guy has no right to destroy the land of Eretz Yisrael, even if he owns it and has no Din Kedusha, but we do not allow him. Now, what this means, the Mepharshim are not clear, what does that mean? Like, if a guy owns it, what are you going to do about it exactly? So, what it means is that if you sell it to a guy, you have to be careful to make a Tanai of what he's allowed to do with the land. He's allowed to grow things on the land, but he's not allowed to destroy the land. Shenema Lashem Ha'aretz. So we dash Lashem Ha'aretz. David Mizbar Lashem Ha'aretz. Muloyai Tevel V'yayishrei Ba. And therefore Lashem Ha'aretz. The land belongs to Kashpoch, at least the land of Eretz Yisrael. He lets us work it. He lets us grow things on it. It has Kedusha. doesn't have Kedusha. But a Goy, and a Yid also as well, assumingly, would not be able to destroy the land of Eretz Yisrael. So you have two polar opposite Halachas over here. Rabbi says that the Kedusha always stays on. If a guy wants to work, destroy the land, he could do it. But the Kedusha stays. And the Blazer says the opposite. That when a guy owns the land of Israel, there is no Din Kedusha, there is no Din Trumas and Maisus. So what exactly is the Machlekes Rabbi and Rebelezer had in the Pesukim? So the question is this Pesukim. It says the Gancha, which we just read. So the question is, what is that excluding? So the first one says the Gancha, the Lloyd Dagan of that if it's grown by a goy, it's not chayven trumas or isis. So there is, have the ability for a goy to mafkia the kedusha. A goy can take off the kedusha, and it's not chayven trumas or isis at all. The other man, the Yamar says, Marsavid diguncha, 
It's not a question of who grows the crops. It's a question of who prepares the crops. Digun is the process of after you grow wheat and barley, you harvest it, you dry it, and then you pile it up, miruach, what we call. Piling it up, and that's when you bring it into the storage. So diguncha means that that stage, who does that stage? Even if you hold that the land has a din of Kedush of a guy, but if a guy does the digun, if a guy goes ahead and does the piling up of it, that would make it putter and trumas and maishas at that stage. So it's not like the land is chayef, but if the guy does the digun, so we darshing, it seems to be the Rashi learns it, we have two mutually exclusive halachas. Either you learn digun chavlai dagan avikichavim, which means that anything a guy grows at all is putter and trumas and maishas, or you say no. The fact that it's grown by a guy doesn't matter. It still has Kedusha. But if the guy does the digun, if he does the piling up, then it would be Pachai. So nafkamina would be, if it's grown in a guy's land, and then the Yisrael goes ahead and does the miruach, the piling it up. If you hold it's a din in the karka, so it's potter. If you hold it's a din in the digun, since over here, the, the Yisrael did the digun, it would taka bichai. So I'm a rabba, minamina. Rabba says, how do I know my pshat? That Rabbi had said before that a goy is mafkia, is is not mafkia midei meiser. We know that this time we have a mishnah. Halekev at shichva peres shavikichavim chayavim meiser. Normally the halacha is uh, obviously trumas and meisers. When you give it to the kohen or levi, they don't take off their own trumas and meisers. It's already prefixed. Okay, but what about leket shechem peh? So leket shechem peh, which is stuff that you leave in the field for the ani. So is that stuff, when the ani takes it, is he chayv and shubas or ma'isa? The halacha is no. Since that stuff, leket shechem peh, is considered hefker, it's automatically considered hefker, whether you're mafker, or the terrorist mafker, whatever lumbus you want to say, but it's considered hefker. So an ani who takes leket shechem peh does not take off his own shubas or ma'isa for it. Anything which is hefker has no din in shubas or ma'isa. Okay. So it says the mission over here. If you have leket shechel peir shel evi kichavim, you have leket shechel peir from a sounds like from a field that's owned by goyim. So the mission says chayovin min meiser. When an ani comes and takes it, he is chayovin meiser. What is? What are we talking about? What's pshat in that mission? Says Rabbi. So Ellen can hifker unless the guy is mamish mafkir the fields. I mean, there seems to be a, a situation where the minig of everybody was to leave over leket shechem peir. Even goyim will leave it over, but the goyim doesn't understand the lumdus behind it necessarily, right? So a yid leaves it over, he understands that he's leaving it. He's mafkir and it's hefker and zachem and shuvus A guy doesn't know anything about hefker. A guy says, okay, so I know the Jews have a nice custom that they let poor people take the leftover stuff in the field. Okay, but it's not really hefker, and therefore, if a, in that case, it sounds like a a. a, a an ani who takes would be chayv unless specifically the guy says it's hefker. What's pshat in the mission? Say chidam. Two ways to read the mission. Elam in the Israel. If we're talking about a field that's owned by a, a Yisrael, so the field has regular din of of uh, of matnasaniyim. So with the ktinu having kichavim. So what does it mean when a field when it says lekad shechapeh shel having kichavim? That means a, a Yisrael left over lekad shechapeh. A guy comes and takes it. Right? If the guys are around, it's hard to stop him. The guy comes and takes some lekad shechapeh. And now a Yisrael gets it from the guy. So is it Chayv and Shuvah Sumaisa? So I mean, Elam can't Hifker. Amirkir Fakaimit. If the Yisrael already left his stuff to be Leket Shechem Peah, so it's automatically Hefker and Pater and Shuvah Sumaisa. The fact that a guy took it in the middle doesn't make it automatically Chayv and Shuvah Sumaisa. That would make no sense. So that cannot be Pshat in the Mishnah. Elalav says, Rabbi, what's Pshat in the Mishnah? Do I have a We're talking about a field owned by Goyim. Okay. Velaktinu Yisrael. And now Yisrael goes out and takes it. Is he have to take Trumas and Maisus? We said it depends if he's mafkir or not. Mashma. Time of the Hifkir. Only the reason it's Potter and Trumas and Maisus is if the guy actually did a Hefkir. Poloi Hifkir. If the guy did not do a Hefkir, Chayev. Even though it's a guy's field. So you see, says Rabbah, that even though the guy owned the field, 
if you did not make a real hefker and a real lekker chikopei out of it, the lacha would be that it's chayv and trumas and rices. So you see that a guy who owns a field in Eretz Yisrael, according to that Mishnah, is chayv and trumas and rices. It's a riot to my tzad, says Rabbi. Lav Dafka is that the riot to Rabbi. We can learn the Mishnah a different way. The Oilam, the Yisrael. We're talking about a field that was owned by a Yisrael. And the Yisrael left over like a Shechem Peah. And he made it Hefker. And then they go, he took it. So the why is it now Chavit Shumas and Maishas? But like, you know, make Chavit. We took a hammer to a Mafkir, but Kamit, it's already Hefker. Need the Mafkir, Adaiti, the Yisrael, Adaiti, the Chavit, me Mafkir. There's an amazing Allah that says, the Gemara is saying that when you're Mafkir, the Lechet Shechem Peah, you're Mafkir for Yisrael to take it. You're not Mafkir for a Goy to take it. What does that mean? So explained, what it actually means is that Lekha Chichopeya is not putter in Shumas and Maishas until the Ani actually takes it. It's not like when you put it out there, it's Hefker, and now it's putter in Shumas and Maishas. You're saying, I allow an Ani to come and take it when the Ani comes and takes it, and now becomes Hefker when he's taking it, and now it's putter in Shumas and Maishas. But let's say a, a rich person comes along and takes my Lekha Chichopeya, or in this case, a Goy comes along and takes the Lechad Shechopeah, it's not Pater and Shumas Shumas Because I was never, I never had in mind to be Mafkid then, I was Mafkid only when the Ani comes and takes it. Oh, so this is a, a new halacha, which would mean that we have no Raya that this case is talking about a field owned by a guy. We're talking about a field owned by a Yid, and therefore it's a regular din of Shumas Shumas So we're still not clear from any Mishnayis what the halacha is. Does a guy have the ability to be Mafkia, the Kedusha of the Karka, the guy with the Mitzvah of the Spartans? Toshma. So we have over here the following case. So Yisrael buys a field from a guy that was already planted. The, the crops are already planted, but they had not yet grown a third. So they're very, very small crops. The Yisrael works the field. The crops grow past the third point. The third is already considered that the crops are viable at that stage. So the Yisrael owns the crops from when it's a fifth to when it's a half. So it's a half grown. And now the guy says, Ooh, I see the field's doing well. I want to buy it back. And the guy comes and buys it back. So now says the Mishnah, In this case, it's Chayv and Meiser. Because it became Chayv, at the third, when it grows a third, that's the, the kickoff point. When you have a chiv chumas and before a third is not considered anything. Once you reach a third, it's chiv and chumas and says the Mishnah. So since it was owned by Yisrael, when it grew a third, therefore it became a chiv. Mashma. This chiv in line is chiv aloy. Mashma only because a yid owned it at that time. If a guy owned it at that time, be mashma be potter. So you see, it makes a difference. It's and this is going to be the uh, quote-unquote cop-out for all these answers that we're going to have, all these prices we're going to bring over here, is that there's two din, two dinim of Shumas and Rises. There's Shumas and Rises in Eretz Yisrael proper, which of course is a dinda raisa, and if it's a dinda raisa, then we can discuss based on the various psukim, if a guy owns the land, is it Chayev or Pater and Shumas and Rises? That's in Eretz Yisrael proper. There's a secondary part of the Eretz called Surya, which is the northern part Past, past, uh, past what we call the Golan in the, in the, actually what's called the Syria or Lebanon area, which was Nikhbash Aide Dabra Melech. And we had the Gemara's earlier, which discussed if that's called, that's called Kibush Yachid. David did it, Shalai Babatsuvo, he did it for personal reasons, whatever you define what it is. And therefore, those areas did not have a din of Trumas and Maisis and Eretz Yisrael Daraisa. The only best case scenario that a din of Trumas and Maisis Medra Bonner. Oh. 
So if in Surya and all these adin of Chumas and Maisa Dabonan, clearly there we're going to say that if a guy owns that land, it's going to be Patur and Chumas and Maisa altogether. The only Shaila of Argamar is in Eretz Yisrael proper with Chumas and Maisa Daraisa. But in parts of, the, uh, parts of the, the area of the country, which are only having Chumas and Maisa and Rabbanan, no question if a guy owns that, it's going to be Patur. And therefore, any, a lot of the prices we could bring to, sh- to prove that a guy can be Patur, we're going to say it's talking about Syria, and therefore it has no riot or tar shaila. Tashma, another case. What happens if you go into business with a guy? So you own a, a piece of land with the guy 50-50. So now, everything you harvest, says the Brisa, is So everything you harvest is 50-50 owned by the guy and owned by the id. So what do you do? Which means you have to take trumas and maestros because every piece of crab you can't take from something else trumas and maestros on this because it's, this is a mixture of everything. So you have to take trumas and maestros minayubei. At some point you split up the crops. The guy takes his part and the Israel takes his part. No problem. So whatever the Israel takes yesh breira that's considered the Israel's. He takes off trumas and maestros totally, and whatever's left by the guy is potter. So it says the Gemara. What do we see? We have a machlekes over here. How do you split up the crops? Do we say here is brera? Do we say there's no brera in terms of how you take off the trumas and meisers? Everybody's clear in this mishnah that the part that's owned by a guy is potter. So says the Gemara again. If we want, we can push to the back and we can say this Bryce is talking about in Syria where it's only Dendrabonan, and therefore clearly if a guy owns it, it's Pater Trumas or Mises. But by Eretz Yisrael, when it's a Daraisa, we still have no riot. What does our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah says when you sell a field to a guy, then you are mechuyev mitam tikun ha'olam to go get bikurim out of it. Mashma daraisa says the Gemara. Mipte tikun ha'olam in mi daraisa loy. Doesn't say daraisa you mechuyev. It says some sort of tikun darabanan tikun tikun ha'olam darabanan halacha. According to my name, it says ain kinin avikham lafkei mi day meiser. If it, so, then meiser we said you don't have to go take off. Because Maiser, you're not mechuyev to take off any time if you don't want to eat the land. That's fine. Or if you're not getting enough of the land. But by Bikurim, where there's a halakha that says that anything you own halakhically, you mechuyev to take off Bikurim. So why does the Mishnah say that you mechuyev to go take off these Bikurim? Because of Tikkun Oilam. It's not because of Tikkun Oilam, according to that shita. It's Midaresa. The field is not owned by the guy. The field is owned by you. And if, if the field is owned by you and has Kedusha, you, of course, have to go get it. What does the Mishnah mean? Elamai, if the Mishnah says it's the Rabbanim, it's Mashma, Medaraisa. There is no Chiv of Bikurim. Medaraisa, it's owned by the guy. There's no Chiv of Bikurim. It's nothing to do with you anymore. Medarabbanim, we want you to do it. So, that's a riot to that side. It says, I'm an amazing Allah. Amar Avashi, no. Shteta Konosoyu. There's actually, you have to understand the history, the development of the Salacha. According to this man, the Amr, even when you sold a field to a guy, it's Mechoyev in Bikurim. And if you go ahead, and the Yisrael is Mechoyev, of course, to go every year and buy the Bikurim back from the guy and bring it to Yerushalayim, no question. What happened? So then, uh, you have a debate. I need some money, so I need to find someone who's going to buy my land. So should I sell it to a Yid, should I sell it to a guy? The guy's offering more money. Okay, but I don't know. Is it okay to sell a field to a guy in Eretz Well, I know the halacha is that if I sell it to him, I have to go get Bikurim back for every year. That must be, mean that it's still has Kedusha. And if it's still has Kedusha, 
there's nothing wrong with selling to a guy. I'm not, I'm not affecting the Kedusha at all. So the Yidu were going ahead and selling their fields to Goy, maybe getting better prices for it, because they felt that it's not affecting the Kedusha by itself, because the Loch is that I have to take Bikurim anyways. Oh. So comes along, came along Chazal, and Chazal said, Tiknulu Laisu. Chazal made an amazing takona. Chazal Mersakin to be Oikar Davim and Atayra, and said, We don't want you taking Bikurim from such a land. And that indicated to the people that they actually are affecting the Kedusha, and therefore that discouraged them from selling the fields to the Goyim and Eretz Yisrael. But it had a, had a backfire effect. So then people say, okay, you're right, but Lamaisa, if I need money and the guys give me a better price, not only can I sell it to the guy, but now I don't even have to go take the Bikurim back anymore. So they worked out even better for me. So it actually, it's a win-win and a Takanas Chazal backfired. Then Hodotiknu Delaisi. So then Chazal said, okay, we'll retract our Takana not to take Bikurim and we'll say that you are supposed to take Bikurim. But actually, according to this man, the when you're taking the Bikurim now from the Goyesh field, it's actually Daraisa. Remember, according to this man, the Daraisa, the guy has no ability to take off the Kedushas Bikurim. And therefore, in Daraisa, you're supposed to buy it. Chazal prevented you from doing it because they had these other Cheshbainas when they retracted that Takana. So according to this man, the when it's said in the Mishnah of Pnei Tikkun Ho'aylam, doesn't really mean a Darabonan. It means they retracted their other Din Darabonan and now the Din Daraisa came back. So you have two totally different ways of reading the Mishnah. One of them says reading the Mishnah, when it says you have to take off Bikurim, it means only Midrabbanan. Because once it's owned by a guy, we don't care, but Midrabbanan, we want you to can still encourage you to do it so that you'll be encouraged to buy back the field. The other one says, no, it's actually Daraisa. You have a Chiv Daraisa to continue to take Bikurim from this field because the guy has no ability to mafkir the Kedushan. It's still a did on you, the original owner. Now, there's another Nafkamina to all this, and that is the following halach, Itmar. Sometimes you don't buy a field. Okay, now the Gemara is going to explain. There's two, there's two historical times we have to deal with here. We have Bizman Sheyavel Noeg and Bizman Sheyena Yavel Noeg. Bizman Sheyavel Noeg, we know the Sukkim say in Parshish Bible Chukai that when you sell a field during, the, during the, the history time when there is a din of Yavel, at Yavel, the field actually goes back to the original owner. So you're never actually selling a field. You're actually only renting a field, or a long-term lease, we would call it, for up to 49 or 50 years, and then it goes back. We'll talk about that, how it works, in a few minutes. But let's assume at this stage of the Gemara, we're talking about when there's no Din Yavel. So if there's no Din Yavel, like nowadays, unfortunately, so then the is you could sell a field forever. Okay, so if I sell you a field, it's yours forever. You own the Paris, and you own the Karka, no question. What about if I'm Meicher Sadeo Paris? Which means, I'm actually not selling you the Karka. I'm only selling you the rights to harvest the fruits from the field. But the land is actually owned by me. I'm not selling you any land whatsoever. So if I'm not selling you any lands whatsoever, I'm only selling you a right in the land to go ahead and harvest these fruits. How do you deal with Din Bikurim? Okay. The Pasuk says by Bikurim, and then you have to read Parshas Bikurim. And to read Parshas Bikurim, you say, you thank HaKadosh for all the fruits that he gave you, that you gave me from the land that you gave me. So now, in this case, the person who owns the field, the person who owns the crops, does not actually own the field. So how can he read the Parsha Bikurim and thank Hashem for the, what he gave me if it's a not our Hashem Asatali? So much, so we'll see in the Gemara in a second. If I own a field and I send, I can't make it, so I'm very busy. I send my Bikurim to Yerushalayim. I send my Bikurim to Yerushalayim with a Shliach. 
I'm allowed to do that. The shlich, when he gets there, cannot read the Parsha Bikurim. Because the Parsha Bikurim says, and it's not his. So you can do that, fine. So in this situation where I only own the crops, I have a long-term lease of the field for just the crops, but I don't actually own the karka, there is a din bikurim, but can I go ahead and be maybe vikurim? So the words like this. Vikurim says, you, whoever owns the crops, that's considered owning the field. The ikur purpose of the field is for the Paris. Whoever owns the Paris is considered like he owns the field, that he can say, or just in a satali. No. Whoever owns the field owns the field. You own the Paris, you own the Paris. That's not enough. Now, it's not clear in the Gemara. According to Rishlakash, who says, maybe the what is the din maybe? Is the din maybe daraisa, or is it maybe drabonim? You could say that just like you can't read the parasha of Artsach and Asatali, it's also not called Bartsacha. And therefore, there's no din bikurim at all. And that's what Taisa says over there in other Masechtas, that this is a din derabonan to bring the bikurim. Other Mepharshim Rashbam and other Mepharshim say no. It's a din daraisa because the Pasik that says Yuchayev says Ashatavi me Artsacha. Now, you do own the land for the fruits. So since you own the land for the fruits, you're mechuyiv to bring the Bikurim, but you can't say the parsha of Bikurim to read it when you get there, because you cannot say a archish and a satali, because you don't own the land itself. So according to this man, you can actually split up the chi of Bikurim from the kriyas Bikurim. Oh, but we have a fundamental machlaikis over here, which affects many of the many things, which who owns this piece of land? Is it the person who owns the land, or is it the person who owns the Paris? The Pasuk says, when it talks about the halacha of Bikurim, it says you could bring Bikurim libesecha. You could bring Bikurim on behalf of your wife. Now, when a wife, how does a wife have Bikurim? Because a wife has nixle maluk she brought into the marriage. She had fields she brought into the marriage. And the husband is allowed to bring Bikurim on behalf of the wife. Now, wait a second. We know, we learned to the Mark Subas many times. A husband in nixle maluk owns the Paris. He doesn't own the karka. The karka is owned by the wife and her family. He just gets the Paris. You see in this Pasuk, the Pasuk's telling you the husband is bringing the Bikurim on behalf of the wife. And over there, it's Mashba, he brings it with all the halachas. And He's having the fact that the Torah says Ubeisecha, it's specifically Allah and Isha. Ishtay Gufa works differently. Over there, we'll consider it like you have a Kenyan Aguf. But by a regular person who had such a setup, Taka would not be considered owning the Paris at all. Ikadi Ami, and somebody will definitely turn it the other way. Over there, it's a special example. He said to him, Time of the deed, No, he says, I learned the opposite. From the fact that the Torah teaches you that your man can bring Bikurim for his wife, that means the Torah is telling you that Kinyan Aperis, Kinyan Aguf. So is this a special halacha in Ishtoi, or is this a makar for all the other halachas? You debate how you can learn it. Eisve, following halacha. A man is bringing the Bikurim for his wife. Then Nebuchadnezzar gets word that his wife died. And when his wife dies, he's Yerush, the Nechzimaluk, right? They become his. Oh, so now the Brisa says, maybe Vikare, now he can bring Bikurim and he can read the Pasha, because now she's dead, he owns the land. Oh, says, my mace in Mashma only because she died, and now he owns the Karka. Mashma before she died, then there's no reading to Bikurim because he's bringing it on behalf of his wife and he only has King in Paris. Oh, 
That's a cash on everything we just said. We said everybody agreed by the wife for Lubesecha that you 100% do maybe the Kairi. Here the bride says, Mashmah only because she died. So, but no. If she didn't die, he still would bring Bikurim and, and read the parsha because Ulubay Secha says no matter what, this kid in our parish is different. But Umaysa Itzachet, there's actually a Chiddush here in the case where she dies. Why? You might think this could be confused with the Biyasi B'chanina's halacha, which is, let's say a person sends Bikurim with a Shliach. We just explained when you send Bikurim with a Shliach, you cannot, the Shliach does not read the parsha of Bikurim when he gets to Yushalayim because he cannot say, so therefore, a shliach does not say it. Now, umeis shliach. Let's say halfway there, the shliach dies. Shliach stays in a hotel. He dies. You get a word. Shliach died. Okay. So the balbai says, "Forget it. I'll do it myself." Drives up to where the house, to, to the hotel where it is, picks up the bikurim, and he goes the rest of the way to the Yerushalayim. The loch is even though the balabayas now is bringing his own bikurim, since it started being brought out of the shliach. You cannot continue and say the parsha bikur. Why? Shenema the pasuk says v'lakachta meresis, and then it says v'heivesa, and we doubt she'nat It has to be one long process. And if the beginning of the process, why is that And you cannot read bikashas bikurim. So even at the end, you bring it yourself. You still don't read parsha bikurim. Oh. So if that's the case, says the Gemara, in the case where you bring it for your wife, and then the person's wife dies, it's very similar. Because you're sort of a shliach for your wife, and now the wife dies, and the person is bringing it on his own. So maybe we should say, in this case also, he should not, at least for the Rabbanon, should not read the parasha, because he would be confused with the case of shlichos. Kamashmah, we're not worried about that. But any Khanami, of course, a person, when he brings Bikur for his wife, does read the parasha. One more piece. Same question. What about if you sell a field during Yoivel? During the time of Yevil, not during Yevil the year, but during the 50 years of Yevil. So now, Lechayr, that's always a king in Paris, because it's always just a 49 year lease. So, you can bring Bikurim. Rishlakish, Omar, maybe Rishlakish says you can bring Bikurim, but you can never say the Parsha, because anybody who buys land during those 49 years is only owning the Paris. And Kenya Paris, Kenya Guftami. Which the Gemara is going to say tomorrow, an amazing halacha, that it turns out that anybody who buys, if you hold like that, then you're going to have very restricted people who could bring Bikurim. You can only bring Bikurim people who actually, it's their family Yerusha. Anybody who bought any land during Yavil, according to the Shita, is going to have a very hard time bringing Bikurim the proper way. All right, we'll see more about this in the Shem tomorrow.